Well, I am pumped to be here. I want to get straight into the message this morning. Hebrews 12.2. Hebrews 12.2 says that we should keep our eyes upon Jesus. Keeping our eyes upon Jesus because He is the author and also the finisher of our faith. I love that God doesn't just want to start a story in us, but He wants to finish that story that He started in our life. And some of you may have come here this morning kind of stuck in your story or not liking the story that you're living, but can I just say that we serve a Jesus who can take the pen out of the devil's hand and start to rewrite your story and finish the story. So I want to speak to you from this thought, commencing and completing your story. Commencing and completing your story. That's a title I went with, but as I was praying this morning, I felt a better title would be that God wants to start a revival in you that He wants to spread through you. That's what I really felt in my spirit, that God wants to start a revival in you that He wants to spread through you. And I love how Ephesians 4.16 gives us a clue into how God wants to do this. Uh, so Ephesians 4.16, the New Living Translation, you can turn in your Bibles on your iPads, turn your eyelids to the screen, whichever way you read the Bible. It says this, it says, He, being God, makes the whole body fit together perfectly. And I know that there's many people who would have come here this morning asking the question, there at San Jose, they're in San Francisco asking God, how is this relationship going to fit together perfectly? How is this job or lack thereof going to fit together perfectly? You ask the question, how are the circumstances, fill in the blank with whatever problem you feel you're facing, how is this going to work? And I came here this morning to tell you that the answer is right there. It is Him. He, being God, is the one that's going to make it fit together perfectly. But that only happens, the verse says, as each part does its own special work. Do you know you've got a part to play from God that makes you not only special to Him, but I'd go as far as saying it makes you necessary. It makes you necessary. The part that you play is so special, it's so unique that it makes you necessary. Now, when I say special, I don't mean like special. We all have one of those special friends. It's not that. I'm talking about special as in like special forces. Now, yesterday I had the privilege with Pastor Adam there at San Jose uh, campus to, to go shooting with uh, Rob. Now, he is not just a person who is in the military. He is special forces. So let me just say, I was blown away by not only his passion for firearms and self-defense and, and the rest, but I was blown away by his proficiency. And let's just say, if any enemy came against him, they wouldn't stand a chance because he is special forces. And I believe that's, that's what we become. We become like weapons of mass destruction against the enemy when we realize that the part that we have to play is so special that it makes us necessary to the kingdom of God. And it's when you play your part, the Bible says here in Ephesians, Ephesians 4.16, that you help the other parts to grow. Do you know you're a walking solution to somebody? When you play your part, you add value to somebody else. When you play your part, you bring life and health and growth to the whole body. When you play your part, it helps the other parts to grow. The rest of the verse says, so that the whole body, the whole church, your whole business, your whole family has these three things. It becomes healthy, it grows, 
and it's filled with the life and love of Jesus Christ. Let's put that rest of the verse up. It says, Ephesians 4, 16, he makes the whole body fit together perfectly so that we experience what I call revival, which is health, which is growth, and it's your life being filled with the love of Jesus Christ. Now, I can see some of you looking at me because there's a lot of new faces here looking at me like, he looks black. But he sounds pretty white. So just by way of introduction, just a little bit about me. Uh, the reason I am black is because I was born of Jamaican parents. Yeah, man. But like Pastor Adam Akira from Australia, I was actually born in Brisbane. Now, uh, we left Australia because my parents studied there, spent about three months there uh, as a little baby. And then we moved to Jamaica, where we lived for six years. After about six years in Jamaica, we moved to Miami, Florida where we lived for two years, and then after that, we moved back to Australia. Now, back in the 1980s, when we uh, moved back to Australia, we were pretty much the only black family. So, needless to say, I was a standout. Hello. <laughs> and that was fun standing out. It was kind of cool. As I've mentioned before, it was different, though. Coming here to the States, people would look at me like, what? A black guy from Australia? Oh, snap, it's an Aborigine. <laughs> You just kind of roll with it. And it was fun being different growing up. You know, there did come a point in my life, a little bit about my personal testimony, where I did have to ask God, why is it that I'm always different? Why is it I don't seem to fully fit in in the places that I've been? And I know in a room like this, there may be many people for a variety of reasons who feel like you don't fit, whether it's because you're new to church and you're a non-Christian among Christians. Uh, maybe it's because of your gender. Maybe it's your race, your age, your culture, your ethnicity, your socioeconomics or lack thereof. I mean, you fill in the blank with whatever perceived difference or perceived dysfunction you feel disqualifies you from fitting in. You see, the lie of the enemy is that you're so different that you don't fit. But the truth is you are so different that you do fit. Because it's the different parts coming together that allow us to see the full story of heaven written upon the canvas of earth. When I speak about difference, I love to say it this way. Your difference is not a dysfunction. Your difference is divine. Because difference creates completion. It's the different parts coming together that allow us to see the full story of heaven written upon the canvas of our lives. And that's how we see God's story written in our life as we learn to celebrate the difference. It's the different parts like the drums and the bass and the keys coming together that create the beauty of harmony and worship because the truth is we are better together. And if we're not seeing that beauty in our world, if we're not seeing the health and the growth and life in our world, maybe it's because we haven't made room for the full expression and celebration of difference. But when we'll do, we'll experience the beauty of what we saw in worship. When we all come together and we play our unique, special part, we create the beauty of harmony. You know, for me personally, I had to know, learn about fitting in and what my difference is and where my part was for God to not only start something in me, but to spread it through me through the life of Moses. Now, for those who don't know the story of Moses, Moses was this young Israelite who grew up in the time where he lived in the privilege of the palace. And because he grew up in the privilege of the palace with the Egyptians, he, he was rejected by his own people because it's like, what would he know about their struggles? And yet, hello, hashtag the struggle's real. And at the same time, he couldn't fit in with his own people over here, the Egypt, the Israelites, because, well, he grew up in the privilege of the palace. He couldn't fit in over there with them, with the Israelites, well, because he was a slave by birth and by blood. 
And so Moses one day decides, I'm going to take matters into my own hands. And he chooses, I'm going to deny this privilege over here. And I'm going to choose to identify with my own people over here. And so interestingly, one day when he sees one of his fellow Israelites being beaten by an Egyptian, the Bible says he goes to his defense and he ends up killing this Egyptian. This is a big mistake because now he has to retreat to the backside of the desert to this place called Midian. And we know he doesn't fit there either. Well, because he has, ends up having a kid and he calls him Gershom. Now, as I've mentioned, we've had two, three, four children. And for none of our children, Gershom was never on the baby name list. And the reason is because Gershom means I've become a foreigner in a foreign land. Why is it that Moses couldn't fit in with his people anywhere? Well, I've told you the first time I preached here a few different reasons, but I really believe that Moses couldn't fit in because he was trying to define his difference disconnected from the presence of God. And that's always disappointing. And you know, because as Christians, it's so easy for us to try to, to love on people and fit in with people and fix their problems without first having spent time in his presence to capture his heart for his people. Because what the people actually want is the peace and the power that comes from the open door that comes in his presence. And so watch this. Moses, disconnected from the presence of God, actually thinks that his purpose is to be a defender of a person. You remember he saw one of his fellow Israelites being beaten, he goes to his defense. But it's only when he reconnects with God in this burning bush moment back here in Midian, where God could show him and tell him, Moses, I never called you to be a defender of a person. I called you to be a deliverer of a nation. And maybe this church service right here at 9.30 is your burning bush moment where you can reconnect or connect with the presence of God and He can open your eyes and show you who you truly are. Maybe this is the service where He opens your eyes to let you know that you are a world changer, that you are a history maker, that you're more than just a defender, you are a deliverer, that you are a vibe giver, that you are a pathfinder, that you are a world changer. Come on, when you reconnect with the presence of God, He opens your eyes to see that He has called you, that He has connected you with Himself for this purpose, that He'll consecrate you to commission you into the world to make a difference. But here's the point. He never called you to do it apart from Him. Because it's only... So maybe it's okay for some of you, those people who left you and those who rejected you. Maybe it's okay they don't follow you on Instagram. Maybe it's okay that they didn't give you that job that you expected. Because for God to start something in you that he wants to spread through you, it was never really about those who left. It was always about Christ and you and the difference that he makes. And this is the difference. He opens your eyes to see what he sees. And what does he see? He sees who you already are in Jesus Christ. He opens your eyes to see and celebrate difference in each other so that you know where you fit in the story of heaven. Oh, I love this. Not only does he open your eyes to see what he sees, when you connect with the presence of God, he opens your ears to hear what he hears. What does God hear? God hears the prayers of the people over there and he responds to them by sending you to be the specific answer that they need. Some of you got it. I'm going to say it again. God responds to the prayers of the people. Oh, look, look how he did for Moses. You know, it wasn't Moses crying out for deliverance. It was actually the Israelites, his people. 
They're crying out to God for deliverance from all the harsh labor, from all the slave labor. Their children are dying. And God doesn't necessarily respond to them directly. He responds to Moses over here in his burning bush moment in Midian. And he responds to them by calling Moses to be the answer that they need. People are crying out here in America. He doesn't necessarily respond to the, the people. He responds to a couple in Australia to come over here to San Francisco, to the Bay Area, to be the specific answer that you need. People are crying out in Rome for God to do something to relate, to break the religious spirit. He doesn't necessarily respond to them directly, but he responds to them by sending you the church to be the answer that they need. You are the answer that somebody in the Bay Area needs. You are the answer to the cries of the people in your family, those about to give up on their dreams, those about to give up on their hope, and you are the specific answer that somebody needs. Come on. You are a walking solution. The title of this message, as I said, is commencing and completing your story. That God wants to start something in you that he wants to spread through you. And the first key for that, for God, how do I make this big? Somebody come and make this big for me, please. That God wants to start something in you that he wants to spread through you, but it requires his presence. Because in his presence, he opens your eyes to see what he sees. He opens your ears to hear the prayers of people. But best of all, he says to Moses in Exodus 33, I'm not sending you back alone. He doesn't send you alone. He says this, my presence is going to go with you. And that is what's going to give you rest. And some of you have been wondering, how can I go back and make a difference at work? How can I go and make a difference in my family with all the drama that's happening in our life? How am I going to make a difference? The answer is, it's not you God is sending. He's sending his presence with you. And that will distinguish you from every single person on the planet so you can release the life, the health, and the growth, and the breakthrough that the people are looking for. Somebody say amen. The first key for God to start the revival in us so he can spread it through us is the presence of God. I love as you look at the life of Moses, you see that Moses encounters the presence of God and it changes him. He realizes he's more than just the defender, he is a deliverer. And when you get in the presence of God, he will lift your vision to see who you truly are. But as we look, it's not just that. Because Moses led two million people out of Egypt, out of slavery. I love that the Bible tells us in Exodus, and I love just the name Exodus. It actually means exit. It proves that our God is a God of exits. For those that came here feeling stuck this morning, God is a God of exits. He can get you out of any situation that you find yourself stuck in. Our God is a God of exits. Well, let me ask you this question. God told Moses to lead the people out of slavery, out of Egypt, and into this land that was called what? It was called, what sort of land was it called? Come on, speak at me, shout at me. It was called the? Exactly. Now, let me ask you this. Did Moses do it? No. Moses didn't do it. Moses stopped short of God's potential. Moses stopped short of God's best for his life and he wasn't allowed to go into the promised land and I want to ask you why. Because here's the thing. What's the purpose of God starting something in us that he can't sustain through us? 
and I, I felt so strongly when I was preparing this message that God wants to start a revival in us that He does want to spread through us. He wants to spark something in our life that comes from time in His presence that He wants to spread. But unless we have all the ingredients, we'll miss it. And so before I tell you why He missed it, let me, let me just read a bit more Scripture. It says in Numbers 20 verses 6 to 13, let's go there. Numbers 20, verse 6 to 13, it says, Moses and Aaron went from the assembly to the entrance of the tent of meeting, and they fell face down, and the glory of God appeared to them. And the Lord said to Moses this, he said, take the staff, and you and your brother and Aaron, I want you to gather the assembly. Now, I want you to speak to the rock before their eyes. What does God say to Moses to do to the rock? Speak to the rock and it will pour out water because they were hungry. They're in the wilderness. And you will bring water out of the rock for the community so that they and their livestock will drink. And so Moses took the staff from the Lord's presence. It starts with the presence of God. For God to start something in you that sustains, you've got to have his presence. And just as he commanded them, and Aaron gathered the assembly in front of the rock and Moses said to them, listen, you rebels. I don't think God said to say that. But he says, listen, you rebels, must we, bring, must we bring water out of this rock? Then Moses raised his arm and he struck the rock and he did it twice with his staff. And it says that water gushed out and the community and their livestock drank. Verse 12, but the Lord said to Moses and Aaron, because you did not trust me enough to honor me as holy in the sight of the Israelites, you will not bring this community into the land I give them. Moses stopped short of God's potential and God's best for his life. Why? Well, the verse gives us a few clues. Before I tell you what it is, let me tell you what it wasn't. It wasn't a lack of the presence of God because Moses had the presence of God. Moses went into the presence of God and when he spent so much time there, the Bible says that he was in the presence so much that his face was glowing. Moses spent time in the presence of God and he knew God and they spoke face to face. And so this is for those of us who think, just tell people if they've got a problem in life and they want to finish and complete God's vision for their life, just get in the presence of God. Moses had that and he still missed it. I mean, as C3, we've got the conference called Presence Conference. The presence is essential. That's where God initiates and starts it. But there's more to the story. So Moses has the presence of God. What else does Moses have? Moses also has the principles of God. You know, Moses is the one that God gave the Ten Commandments to. He goes into the presence of God and God reveals the law to him. I love this. Moses wasn't even around in Genesis. Do you know that? But then God actually gave to him the first five books of the Bible. He revealed to him exactly what was going on between Adam and Eve and also God. And so Moses writes what we call the Pentateuch, which means five. The first five foots of the Bible. You know, as you are worshipping, it actually says the hand of God. The hand of God is on you as a church. And the hand of God is not three fingers. The hand of God is not four fingers. The hand of God is five. The hand of God is upon you. There is a grace upon you as a church. You know, Moses had the presence of God. He had the principles of God, but he still missed it. So it's not a lack of the presence. It wasn't a lack of the principles. What else did Moses have? Oh, Moses had, that was cool. It's kind of like, you know, a bit of Tom, Tom Cruise, that movie. Yeah, I like that. <laughs> Moses had the presence. 
Moses had the principles. Moses also had the power. I mean, Moses operated in the power of God like none of us have ever seen. When he held up his hands, the Red Seas parted. Moses performed signs and wonders and miracles to the extent that Pharaoh had to let two million people That was his slave labor. His economy was based on those people and he let them go because of the plagues and the signs and the wonders that Moses was able to do because he had the power of God working in his life. So it wasn't a lack of the presence. It wasn't a lack of the principles of God. He had the power of God, but he still missed it. Moses had the presence. He had the principles. He had the power. What else did Moses have, which is an essential ingredient, don't get me wrong, to completing your story. He had... Good, godly practices. Now think about this. Anyone who misses the fulfillment of the potential of God in their life, normally we, we, we assimilate that or assign that to the fact that they didn't have good godly practices. They didn't manage their morality with godliness and diligence. You know, we think of David in the Bible who had uh, adultery with a Bathsheba moment. Moses didn't mismanage anything. He had good godly practices where he met in the tent of meeting with God. He did that consistently. He managed his morality with biblical principles, but he still missed it. What was it? Well, notice it was the same thing that showed up in Moses' life before he has his conversion experience, before he gets saved and encounters the presence of God. What did I tell you at the start? It said that he saw one of his fellow Israelites being beaten, and so he goes to the defense, and he ends up killing the person. Now, think about this. I wonder if Moses ever stopped to think, what is going on inside of me that I could get so mad and so angry that I could kill someone with my bare hands? That's not healthy. Something is wrong if you can get so mad you can take someone's life with your own bare hands. And that same emotional issue that showed up, which is Anger is revealed after he gets saved. And so most of us think that just because we get saved, that every emotional issue is going to be sorted out by our spirituality. But it's not. There's more to the story. And, you know, Moses did what most of us do as Christians at the first sign of an emotional issue or a blind spot in our life. The Bible says you look to the right, look to the left. We look everywhere else but at us. And Christ is in us. That's where the answer is Christ in you. And he says, Moses looked right to left, and then he said he buried the man that he killed. And most of us do the same thing. We bury the evidence. We bury our heads in the sand pretending this doesn't exist or this just gets sorted out by my spirituality, but it doesn't. And God wants to do something. You know, I tell you this because you... All of us here have a call from God, which is special, as I said at the start. It is unique and necessary. And until we deal with the emotional issues, God will start something in us that He'll never be able to sustain sustain through us. And this message is for those who know they've got a call upon their life, that God's called you to start that business. He's called you to lead that family. He's called you to have that breakthrough in your life. He's called you to be the leader, the head and not the tail. But until we get this emotional issue right, and fix these things, these are the things that are going to make us fall short of the presence of God. And, and it's the same thing that shows up before, shows up after, when he goes and he sees the seven sisters at the well, and they're being harassed by the shepherds. He got angry at them. When Moses comes down from the mountain of God, he has the principles of God in his hands, the Word of God in his hands, and he sees the Israelites in, indulging in idolatry, and he literally breaks the Word of God. After 40 days of fasting, he breaks that. 
What's happening in Moses' life? What stops him? What makes him stop short? It's a blind spot. And let me tell you, a blind spot doesn't mean you're a bad person. A blind spot just means you're human and we need Jesus. And we all need Jesus. And if I can be really transparent here and just take the mask off for a second, I mean, a blind spot, I had a blind spot. I'm, I'm sure I've got other blind spots in my life. Uh, let, let me just, just, just define a blind spot. We get what it is in the natural. You know, when I'm driving a, in, the, in my car uh, with my wife, who's my backseat drama, driver. <laughs> sorry. Oh, hello. Easy. I never have an accident with my wife in the car. And there's a reason for that, because she points out everything that's going on. Car, motorbike, Krispy Kremes. We, we love that. And I never have an accident with her, but I remember one time it was our third little baby, Israel, who was actually really sick one night. And so Emma stayed home with her and I took the other two to church. And we went to church and as I was driving to church, I was so tired, we had no sleep, that as I was pulling in, I, I literally scratched the whole side of my car and scraped down this other car as well. Now the car that I hit was a write-off because it was so old, the cost to fix it was, would be, was so much more. And it cost me thousands of dollars simply, not because I was a bad person, but because I had a blind spot. I couldn't see it through my side mirrors, couldn't see it through my rear view mirrors. I had to look. And that's why God places people around us who can help us see the blind spots in our life. And that's why I believe the other essential ingredient in, in our life is not just these, but we also need people. It's the key. You know, saying being up, transparent. I remember when we, we were first dating, my wife and I, and uh, it was back in the day of MySpace. I don't know MySpace. <laughs> Come on. You, you're scared to put your hands up so you don't look old. Yeah, MySpace. And, uh, and Facebook. You know when you know the compl- relationship status is, is complicated? That was us. We were on and then we were off and then we were on and then we were off again and then we were on and then we were off again. It was really complicated. And I remember I went on this missions trip to South Africa and I go to South Africa and I remember, man, okay, and, and admittedly we were off. I thought we were on. I've always thought, I always thought we were on. <laughs> but, um, and when I went over there, I came back and I found out that while we were off, that my wife Emma had actually gone on a date with another guy. And it wasn't so bad that she went on the, a date, but it was bad. Uh, I think my ego was hurt, but I was actually really mad because I didn't find out from her. I found out from someone else. And... Yes, in her defense, we were off. But I got so mad that I just said, and this is hard for me to say as a pastor, I I said so many nasty words to her and to him. Words I didn't even possibly know existed, but I I just let loose. And it revealed something in me. It's like, hang on, Terrence. What's going on in me that I could get so angry that I just tear her down and tear someone else down? And you know, for Moses, he had this emotional issue before he got saved that showed up after he got saved, where instead of speaking to the rock, he strikes the rock and it stops him from walking into the promises of God. You know, some of us have blind spots that are going to destroy us if we don't work on them now. You know, for me, it gets worse because I thought, oh, first of all, I'm the good Christian guy. I've saved myself till marriage. I've got the presence of God. I mean, I I just come off a 21-day fast. In fact, I had a friend come up to me and say, Terrence, didn't you just finish a 21-day fast and you're now cursing out your your girlfriend? And he was right. And I was like, well, hang on. I had the presence. I had the principles of God. I grew up in a Christian family. I knew the Word so well. I had the power of God operating in my life. I had good godly practices. But what I didn't have was people. Well, thank goodness I had someone around me who could show me 
hey Terence, you're missing it here. You can't see. And that's why I encourage you to get in a group, to, to get in a midweek where you can actually find people you can take the mask off and be real with. Because you guys have, there is a destiny and a call upon your life so great. And God does want to start a revival in you that He wants to spread through you. But the thing that will make us fall short is this blind spot. Let me just say how, how this guy who said it, he said, Darius Daniel says, a blind spot is an unidentified, unaddressed emotional issue that we assume will be sorted out by our spirituality. It's unidentified and it's unaddressed. And I believe that the Holy Spirit is here this morning, not only to identify it, but to address it. And I look at Moses and he stops short. What causes these? You know, for Moses, it might've been the fact that he was rejected by his mother. Now we've read the story. We know that she sent him away because they were killing babies, but he was a child. He doesn't realise, he just knows that I'm over here, but that my mother is over there. And then when he finally goes to rescue his people, they turn on him and, and, and they, they complain. Miriam and, and Aaron have this coup against him to the fact where God even sends leprosy on them. He's, he's, he's dealing with rejection. Then he has to deal with the big mistake he makes in his life where he kills a person now has to retreat for the next 40 years. I don't know what you came here dealing with this morning, but it doesn't start as anger. It doesn't start as something so sinister as uncontrolled anger. I mean, I remember full transparency. The first three years of our marriage was crazy. I mean, I would get mad. She would get mad. She'd throw a vase. I'd do the matrix and, you know, get out of the way. And it was simply because, and she would want to talk to me. And I'd be like, I can't talk because every time I try and talk to you, I feel misunderstood. You don't understand me. You're judging my motives. And so I would walk away and then she would walk over to me to try and talk. And I'd be like, I can't talk. I'm flooding. I'll just leave me alone. And then she would keep coming. And I would get so angry. I would just like slam the door. And I'd slam the door as a sign off. I can't talk about this. I don't want to talk about it. Not now. And I didn't realize until we went to counseling to get the help that we needed. The counselor said, do you realize, Terrence, although you wouldn't hit Emma, Although you wouldn't hurt her, every time you slam a door, what you're saying to her is, look at my strength, look at my power. You keep going, you're next. And that scared the life out of me, the thought that I was giving that impression. I'm telling you, the dream's too big. The call's too great to let this emotional issue strip us up and make us fall short. God wants to deal with those things here today. And I told you, it may not start with anger, for Moses, it, was, it might have been something like rejection. Maybe your mother left or your father left or your parents split up and you got this thing which shows up and it may be disappointment. Let's put a few of those things up on the screen. This is what causes these blind spots. It could be someone cheated on you. Maybe you gave yourself to someone expecting them to follow through with a ring and they didn't. And you've been hurt. There was a trauma. And that trauma outworks itself if it's not dealt with by the Holy Spirit, by Jesus. It outworks itself in something more sinister like anger for Moses, for me. Maybe for you it's promiscuity. You sleep around because you, now you need to find validation. That's not you. You're not a bad person. You're human. But Jesus can heal that. It might, it might outwork itself in stress, in worry and anxiety. It might outwork itself in overworking. You know, thank goodness Moses did have a person. He had his father-in-law because Moses was there working and grinding. You know, we celebrate the grind here in our day and age. In Sydney, here in the Bay Area, we've got to do the grind. You get up early, you go to bed late, you grind. But that's not healthy. 
that's not healthy for your family. And it's, and it's what we're trying to prove something to ourselves through our job and through our achievement. I'm somebody because of what I do. No, no, you're somebody because of who you are. Now, I'm not saying that for the lazy people as an excuse to be lazy. I'm saying that Jethro said to Moses, if you keep going, you're going to kill yourself and you're going to wear the people out. Before it gets to these things, we have to fix it. The last thing I want to ask you is this. Moses did the wrong thing by striking the rock. But I want to ask you, did it work? Yeah, it worked. Let's put that verse up, verse 12. This is what blew my mind. Verse 12 in Numbers, it says that, but the Lord said to Moses and Aaron, because you did not trust me, can we go back to the previous verse, verse 10? Moses struck the rock, and I would think he did the wrong thing so that it's going to stop. But the Bible says, he gathered his assembly before the rock, said, listen, you rebels, keep going. Next verse, verse 11. Must, uh, must I bring water? That is wrong. Next verse. And so it says that he struck the rock twice and water gushed out. That, that's crazy because I would think God would stop the water because he did the wrong thing. Do you know that your gift can be working really well, but you're not well? Do you know you can be saved and still sick. And this is hard for leaders or pastors or high achievers to admit, but you might be on the surface, everything looks great, but you know there's an issue that you've been struggling with, that you know it's gonna trip you up. It comes up in your marriage all the time. It's a thing that stops you at work. It's a thing that you know, if this does not fix today, then I'm not going to actually achieve the purpose for God. And I'm telling you, this is a day of freedom. This is a day where there is holy ground. I want everybody to stand in here because this is a holy moment. I believe that the presence of God and the answer is this. The Bible says in 1 John, if we would confess our sins to God, that He will forgive us. If you've got a blind spot in an area of your life, maybe it's caused by sin, there is freedom here today. There is forgiveness here today. There is no judgment. He says, if you confess your sins to God in the presence of God, you will be forgiven and cleansed. But watch this. This is the part we miss. And this is the part that God's revealing today. He's going to identify and address it. He says, in James, confess your sins one to another so that you might be healed. Confession is made to God to be cleansed. Confession is made to one another so that we can actually be healed from those things that keep tripping us up. And I'm telling you, I encourage you, find somebody this week, find a pastor, find your connect group leader, find a midweek leader that you can confess that to so that the Bible says the prayer of a righteous person avails much. I'm telling you, you're walking out of here free today. You're walking out of here to change your world today. All the blind spots, all the things that would have tripped you up are not gonna trip you up because I'm telling you the presence of God is coming to His people by the, to give us power to fulfill His purpose through godly practices. You know, this is a crucified life right here. And at the centre is what? It's the principle, it's the Word of God. You know, the Bible says in 1 John that in the beginning was the Word and the Word was God. This is Jesus. Jesus is here at the centre of one, two, three, four, the five things, the grace of God that is upon your life. I want you to remember, this is how you start your story. This is how you complete your story. We hope you were blessed by this message. Hey, for more information, service times, locations, or to partner with us financially, make sure to head to vibechurch.org.